The Last Time I Cried. Brought to you by AIA Vitality. Lee Matthews looking for someone to give it to. There's no one there. Matthews will have to go around himself. He goes around three players. Guys oh, up the goal! Lee Matthews is known as one of the hardest men to have ever played our great game. Oh, the post is broken. Matthews hit it and broke the point post. Oh, talk about a he-man. How was that? He spit it right down in half. In this episode, Lee speaks about the moments that left him speechless as a player and a coach, and an emotion-charged night on the Kokoda Trail. Lee is the greatest player of all time. A crier? Occasionally. Uh, the odd movie, actually. It depends on your definition of crying, doesn't it, Hamish? The, uh, like, Ride Like a Girl, that Sea Biscuit movie, they sort of really emotional. I'll get watery eyes watching those kind of movies, but if you talk about the bawling type crying, occasionally, very occasionally. I've seen you cry once, 1985. Lee Matthews, well over 300 games. Today, the last time he'll be wearing the brown and gold. Oh, well, that was the public one, wasn't it, really? In 1985, after the grand final, and I knew it was going to be my last game. And it's funny, but you're still a footballer when the game started. I'm still a footballer at three-quarter time. Uh, the game ends, and we got beaten by about 80 points, but the game was sort of lost a long way out. So you knew you were going to lose a long way out, not like losing a close game. And I guess as, as I was going off the field and, and the Hawthorne teammates decided to sort of raise me up a little bit, lift me up on the shoulders a little bit, the emotions got to me then. Um, sports people say it all the time, it's like part of your dice. Might have been the dark side of my soul, I think, sometimes. Hey, so maybe it was good that it disappeared, but... From the time I walked over the boundary line, that's the last time that part of me ever was needed. Um, you know, that really aggressive, on-field, competitive type thing. So you always, always wanted to be a footballer from the time I can remember. So all of a sudden, bang, it's now, I'm now ex-footballer. And it comes for everybody, but it, that's, that's always a, a crossroads moment in, in your life, a sobering moment. But this happened on the, after a grand final, so it was a bit more public. You played as a kid and you started with Hawthorne in 69 and, as you say, finished in 85. Through the 330-plus games, had you ever cried before? I don't think so. A couple of times, it was in, in 19, on that grand final day in 1985, our reserves were playing the curtain raiser and the Hawthorne reserves won the premiership. And through in their celebration, they came into the rooms briefly, like not long before we were going to run out on the field. And the emotion of getting ready for the contest ourselves, their joy and jubilation. That was a bit like when you start to well up. You know, the emotions really sort of got hold of me. Not a great way to be preparing to go and play the game, I can tell you. But uh, maybe the tear ducks uh, got going a little bit on that uh, 85 grand final day in the pregame. Because, you know, sometimes the emotion is building so much. Yeah. And, and for me, it's... And sometimes one cries from sadness, but sometimes it's just the welling up of emotions and that's the release of whatever your emotional state might be. Did you cry about 15 years ago? Well, yeah. Well, two things happened in 2005, about 15 years ago. My mother passed away and I must say that the morning uh, was a match day. We were, we were, I was coaching the Lions, I was going to be coaching the Lions and mum went into hospital on the Thursday night and... and Saturday morning, we went down to, to visit her and I was going to be coaching the, the Lions that, that, that evening. And she was on life support, basically. And, and all of a sudden, she was going to die. 
and uh, and it was all unexpected, was it? Well, yes. It, well, yeah, it all came. Yeah, the, the, when she went into hospital on the Thursday night, there was no thought that something life-threatening was going on, but her kidneys were shutting down, and she was unconscious. So she was was just a matter of sometime that day uh, she was going to pass away, and uh, my two brothers were there. I pulled my eyes out for that. At that moment, that when I walked out of the room after knowing, you know, we well, never, you know, uh, and we all lose people close to us. That was that was one that that sticks, sticks in mind, but I understand that. Later that year, we went to uh, do the Kokoda track with the, with the Lions team. And I guess I was a 53-year-old then. The players were going to do the track, which is about 100 k's up and down mountains in Papua New Guinea in about four days. And there's no way I could have done it in four days. So me and a couple of others, we, we went a couple of days early and picked up, the team picked us up a couple of days out. And I was so conscious of not collapsing on the side of the track, you know what I mean? I thought to myself, it doesn't matter that I'm much older than the players, seeing the coach like prostrate like and on the side of the track. So I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to make it. And, and I'd embarrass myself in a way. Anyway, we got to the last night and where the camp was on the last night, we were going to finish about lunchtime, they said the following day. So you had about a half day to go. So the hard work was done. And I don't, still don't know why we we got, got to the camp. They all the, put they put the tents up. I went to the tent and bore my eyes out. And, and that is what I can't understand. Some mix of emotions of stress, I guess, of uh, fatigue. And we were about to finish, so I guess it looked like I was going to make it. So I thought it was. Oh, it looked like I'm going. I'm going to make it. That is the last time I guess I've uh, I've kind of bawled my eyes out uh, alone in the tent. Um, the last evening uh, of that Kokoda track. And was there anything from the trek that had happened that would highlight why you would? I mean, did, can you put your finger on what it was that had you just disappear by yourself and, and cry? No. No, I still can't work out what was the set of emotions that, uh, uh, that created that. And I remember the following day on the last hill to, to finish it, uh, Michael Vossel and myself, you tend to go through the the people on the on the track, the fellow players, I mean, you go through two at a time and you go through a cavalcade of, of, of either the sticks that you're using to, uh, you know, using to help yourself. But anyway, I must admit I was doing that with my head down because the eyes were certainly watering then. I mean, we cry out of sadness, we understand that, but we also cry out of a really extreme emotions that are welling up within us. And for me, I guess, I, I guess that was just the relief that it looked like I'd survived what for me was completely out of my comfort zone for, you know, three or, three or four days. So, uh, yeah, I, I often, I still look back on that and I'm not sure why I get asked the question, but I don't know the reason why I know I did. Did you tell Vossi or anyone else what had happened in the tent? I don't think so. No, that was just my little bit of a alone moment. Uh, yeah. Nothing to do with your mum? No, no, this was six months after mum yeah. passed away, so no, it was nothing to do with my... It was, no, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the same reason, I guess, before the 1985 grand final, you, you almost came to tears with that build, the, this, this emotion that was, you know, that was building up uh, within on that particular day. That and Ride Like a Girl. Well, yeah, Ride Like a Girl, that's a, oh, that's a great movie, yeah. And I just, uh, <laughs> and it was just a great story at the end. I mean, we, we, we lived that a little bit because we knew the storyline being Australian, but yeah. uh, the Sea Biscuit, the, the horse, you know, from the American, the American horse from the 30s, that, you know, all those, all those movies that have a crescendo that, are, let's face it, they're, they're produced to provide and provoke emotions. Certainly do with me. Are you more sensitive now 
father, grandfather, and have lived than you were? I mean, did you ever see your parents cry? Probably not, and the answer's yes to that with me. It's pretty hard bugger as a, as a young 20-year-old and driven and all those kind of things, you know, very insular in a way. You know, I think, as, and I think it's probably normal, but as you get into your middle age and your kids, you know, you see your ki- have your kids, your kids grow up and then you have your grandchildren, they start to, they, they grow up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I, I would be more, uh, a little bit more caring and feeling and caring than I probably would have been in my younger life. My mates all say, God, you're lucky working with Lee. I said, well, he's just one of the most fabulous men. They said, tell me about him. I said, well, as far as I can gather, he used to be like Clint Eastwood from Dirty Harry, and now he's Clint Eastwood from Bridges of Madison County because <laughs> he and I talk about things that yeah. just yeah. aren't football, and my father's a bit the same. He's mellowed and softened, and hmm. he's much better now at showing his emotions than he ever was. Oh, well, and family becomes even more important when, you know, so your parents go and, you, you know, your kids grow up and you and your grandkids grow up. And, yeah, no doubt, I was a bit of a chameleon, though. When, when I was a sort of young player, the, you know, didn't have much going for me except I could be really aggressive, yeah. and that sort of got, got the best out of myself. So there's a bit of feeling that being the chameleon, but... The thing about people, we change a lot. I mean, we're the same person, clearly, um, but, gee, we're different as a 20-year-old, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever have you. I mean, I think that's the journey of life. My father never told me he loved me, never told me any of the stuff that I tell my kids now. He just drilled it into us that you had to be up early, work hard, shut, you know, take your hat off inside, you know, pull a chair up for your mother, open the door. And he was so um, desperate to make us well-mannered and you know, high integrity, hard working. They sort of forgot any of the, and now. Well, I always look back. Of course, of course, particularly as a player, even more as a, than a coach. I was so, you know, I was so driven to succeed and do my best and all that stuff that you kind of felt like you didn't. It's not so, well, not so much time you didn't spend with your kids. You just your mental energy was elsewhere. Yep. And yeah, and distracted. My, my, both my girls now, you know, they both, they almost sort of both say that, you know, that that kind of. You were in the house, but you weren't there. Yeah, that's right. You know, you, and and you, you you were. That's not yeah, physically there, but you, you you might be mentally on focusing on on something else outside your outside your family. So that's one of my uh, regrets of life. But can't go back. I can't remember whether you've said this publicly or not. But you got teary when Shorey came off the last time. Well, not when he came off. That was 1994, and we uh, and we were playing the Eagles in Perth. Um, and the Eagles were top team and we finished eighth, so it was eight, eight versus first. And, uh, and Tony Shaw, and one of the most competitive, uh, competitive, strong, mentally, you know, he was just outstanding. And the, the, he strained his calf at training the night before. And it was probably going to be his last game too. Um, and he, he went to one of the uh, one of the magic hands people that somehow he found in Perth who all of a sudden cured him. His fitness test was running down the corridor at the hotel. <laughs> so I can run him okay. I somehow or other I, I, I decided to go to go with him because he just got so much time for his just his, his ability to overcome adversity. Anyway, he did his he did his calf in the first five minutes, so he was sitting on the bench all day. But it was more than at the end of the game, uh, we'd actually uh, Nick, McGuan had a chance to take a mark and maybe kick the winning goal. West Coast
we just got it beaten by a smidgen. But that was the end of the campaign and, and that, that that's, you go, I went into the rooms and normally you try and sort of work, end the game or a few words to sort of finalise that particular day. <laughs> I was so choked up, I couldn't talk. I thought to myself, I'd better, I'd better not say anything to you because I, I, uh, I was not in great uh, control of my emotional state either at that particular point. So, did you not speak because you thought, I won't be able to speak or I won't speak because I'll look weak if I cry, if I speak? Well, I, I suppose just I couldn't, you know, yeah, you know, you, you know if, you, if you, you can't sort of talk and cry at the same time, yeah. really. Um, so, uh, so it was just that I, yeah, yeah the welling up of emotions, just getting the, the wet eyes yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, I thought to myself, well, I can't, can't really uh, say much here because I'm almost going to be a blubbering mess if I choose to do that. Same thing happened when Alistair Lynch, we done at the end of the 2004 grand final and, and we lost. We were going for four in a row, the Lions, and we lost. And I was just starting to wind the game up. And Lynchy got jumped up and said, well, I just want to announce this will be my last game. This has been my last game. This pre-game? Uh, no, at the end, afterwards, the oh, end okay. of the game. Yeah, after the game. So that was a bit of the same. That The emotion sort of started to bubble over in me. So was, I, didn't, I just didn't say anything further either. So every now and again, there's a lot of times in the footy, in your footy environment where the emotional state uh, will sort of bubble over into yeah. uh, really a blubbery mess, but uh, but certainly uh, certainly where you feel like your, uh, your emotional states are overflowing. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to The Last Time I Cried, brought to you by AIA Vitality. Really hope you enjoyed it. Just make sure you subscribe to the feed to ensure you don't miss any more great stories.